All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. And in the close to 500 episodes that we've done, one of the few return guests that we've had on this show, it is my privilege to have my friend Gustavo Fernandez back on the show. Thanks for hanging out with me, man. Thanks, Nathan. Uh, yeah, always an honor and always a lot of fun to talk to you. So looking forward to it. We've had some some wide-ranging conversations over the years, and I was actually just talking to my girlfriend about you just the other day, and I've told her about you before, but just kind of reiterating the just the wonderful conversation that's ultimately that you are. But not only that, you have a certain intellectual capacity as well to go along with that, that I guess just furthers the quality of the conversation. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I become quite enamored with, with our conversations and certainly not because of my involvement. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always super curious. So yeah. I love l- learning and I love asking questions and I love sharing. So yeah, it's always, always a pleasure. Well, and I also appreciate the fact that, and I maybe mentioned this in the podcast at some point in the past, but you were listening to the show a little while back and you, you pushed me. You're like, you know what? Go a little bit deeper. Like take the questions, follow, follow the questions and go a little bit deeper. Don't, don't be hesitant to take a little bit of time with the show. And honestly, that was a catalyst for us going from, I think, what was it? It was attempting to do like 40 minute, 45 minute shows at the time. And now we regularly put out hour long episodes and I appreciate the encouragement to, to go deeper in conversation too. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, you know, that, and that's, that's when you learn more. That's when, you know, you got to go past that uncomfortable level of that question. You typically don't ask someone and, but that's usually where you're going to learn the most, which is always a lot of fun. Yeah. At the same time, finding a balance there, because I I know that in, in like in person, I'm having one-on-one conversation with somebody. I don't mind going there uh, as much. I've, in fact, to the extent that I think in some cases I've probably made people a little bit uncomfortable in the past because they're not used to somebody taking genuine interest and asking deeper questions than how was your day or what do you do for work? Is there, from your perspective, whether it's a conversation with clients or friends or otherwise, is there like, is there a line? Is there a balance to be had between going deep then also being a bit aware of the person's comfortability? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can spin that, right? Like, you know, what's the tone of the questions? You know, how is that conversation happening? Whereas is the client comfortable? Are, you know, are you grilling them about certain things or are you, or do you have a ton of call to actions on whatever communication you might have? So, you know, for me at the end of the day, I just want to keep it personal and uh, keep it fun, keep it simple. And for me, I just want to learn as much as I can about the client and that way I can, I'm able to share some of my experiences with them. When I know more, I'm able to kind of help them out more. So for me, it's like, how can I be memorable in their eyes and how can I make them successful? Hmm. Well, and this is a beautiful segue really to our, our conversation we're going to get to in just a few minutes today about how to create a better monthly newsletter. You talk about the, the personal element of connection and of any newsletter, really, that I've read in the last probably number of years, your newsletter has such a beautifully personal slant to it. And I thought, you know what, it'd be really great if we had a conversation with and, and share that conversation with our listeners about how you've developed this newsletter to carry the voice that it does. Because I think we could all stand to add more of a personal slant to communication with clients or potential clients. So we're going to get to the details of that here in just a second. But for everybody listening in... In case you didn't hear my first conversation with Gustavo here on the podcast, if you go back to episode 275, we talked about building a recurring business model. And you can also get to know Gustavo a little bit more. Some of the introductory questions I normally ask in the podcast, you can hear in that episode as well. 
We'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But Gustavo, today, one of the questions that, that I didn't get to ask the first time has to do more generally with customer experience. We're going to talk about customer experience as it relates to newsletters in a second, but on kind of a bigger picture level, is there a key idea that has driven your effort at building a good customer experience with your clients? Yeah, sure thing. I mean, I mentioned it briefly a second ago, but being memorable, you know, that's the number one thing. How can you be more memorable to your client or to that person you're creating that relationship with? You know, number one thing also is putting yourself in your client's shoes. You know, how, how do you make, how can you make them successful? You know, it, it's going to open you up to so much more when you're kind of putting yourself in their shoes, you know, what are their needs? What are the goals? You know, how can you make, how can you make their life easier? You know, for example, I mean, I just recently moved into a new apartment and my real estate agent experience, I was, I was like, how can she make this experience better? You know, there's a lot of missed out opportunities, you hmm. know, I, I moved in and I'm like, okay, how do I connect to cable? How do I connect to electricity? Who is the electricity provider? Who is the cable provider? Yeah. You know, what, what are the favorite spots around here? You know, what's the local map? What's this area look like? Where do I find a cleaning lady? When a client has way more questions than answers, yep. I think there's a disconnect. Yep. So I think, you know, if by providing that service, by providing, you know, by putting yourself in that client's shoes, you can provide that information. It's like, hey, here's your keys. Here's a local map. Here's my favorite eating spot. Here's my favorite spot for coffee. My favorite lunch spot. Here's my favorite dish at these couple places. Oh, and by the way, most common cable provider is Comcast. This is how you sign up. The electricity provider is so-and-so. It's pretty easy. Just go to this website. And by the way, here's a couple of cleaning lady, maybe contact information. You know, once once you're all settled in and need a deep clean, that way get your apartment going. It's just so many opportunities that she could have created a, a very memorable experience that she dropped the ball. So hmm. number one, putting yourself in your client's shoes and, you know, how can you be more memorable by doing that? Oh, okay. That, that, you summed that up beautifully because I, I, I'm taking notes here. For those of our listeners, especially that have been listening for a long time, you know that I'm a bit of a, a digital technology freak. I'm, I'm not so much for the paper, except when it comes to taking notes of the podcast. So I've, I've got my, there's actually a, a brand of pen that I, I've begun using. I really enjoy it. It's called Zebra. Have you heard of the Zebra pens before? Gustavo? I haven't, no, but I'm definitely a, a pen junkie. Are you really? Okay, I mean, that's, there's nothing fancy about this, but the weight of it is perfect. It writes consistently. I really enjoy it. We'll, we'll find it and link to it in the show notes to it, the podcast, bocapodcast.com. Nonetheless, I'm taking notes here, and I wrote down, be memorable, and how can you make your client more successful is kind of the, the shorthand. And I like that that can be kind of one in the same. If you're being empathetic, if you're putting yourself in the client's shoes, it enables you to be memorable but because it's not necessarily commonplace. There are opportunities for us to make our clients' lives easier if we are being empathetic. Why do you think it is that a lot of companies don't do that? Is it just because it takes the, the extra bit of effort? You know, that's a good question. You know, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of companies, or even if we, you know, we talked a lot about, about the photography industry, right? You know, they don't necessarily have that mindset. You know, a lot of them are more artists, kind of more maybe introvert, you know, don't necessarily think that way in a sense, you know, haven't been educated in, in business. So, you know, they're, they're not necessarily, that's kind of not their first inkling. Okay. Going back to, you know, one of the most probably recommended books and how to win friends and influence people in your library there. Yep. It's, you know, that's one of the basic tenets is, uh, you know, basically taking care of that client. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a simple thing and it, it, it's not that much work and it doesn't take much to, I think, change your mindset to kind of think about it that way. You know, it's the, the perfect example of 
for example, at an event, I'm usually helping some of the, you know, guests like, oh, here's where the restroom is, or here's where this is, because I am part of the event. You know, I'm not just taking the photos, or I'm not just doing, you know, headshots for for the clients. I'm just also part of the overall experience of the event. And how do I kind of make sure that that experience for that client is, is a memorable experience? You know, that event planner can't be everywhere at the same time. So they're not going to see that, you know, napkin on the floor that's in the middle of the hallway and it's not looking great. It's not my job to pick that up, you know, but I, c- I can always blame the, you know, the catering department for yep. making a mess, but yep. it's not going to, it's going to take me two, you know, half a second to bend over, pick that up, make sure that everything looks good, make sure that the client looks good. And overall, everybody has a great experience. And I, I like that notion of taking responsibility first. It's, it's super easy to kind of point the fingers the other direction but I think asking, and this is something certainly I've been trying to do more consistently uh, as a kind of multi-business owner, ask the question, how could we have approached that differently? You know, if, if a client, for example, of Photographer's Edit gets frustrated with their experience and, you know, working with thousands of photographers, obviously this is going to happen from time to time. The question that I would have, especially now, with now 13 years in, is, is there something that we could have done differently? Could we have managed expectations more clearly? Could we have communicated more clearly on the website and on the ordering page? Was the user experience frustrating when they went to upload the images? Can we refine that process? Is there anything that we could have done to make it more user-friendly? Because I, my understanding anyway of user or customer experience is that if, if it's easy, then they're naturally going to be happier. If they're frustrated along the way because it, it's complicated in one form or another, expectations aren't managed and the user experience is is frustrating then we're off to a bad start and if they get the images back and you know maybe they're 95 percent of the way there they're less likely to be patient in that case to get the the remaining five percent refined than somebody who is well ultimately has been through a a frustrating experience so i know that there's going to be more patience there if i've done my job on the front end which enables us to be able to build a more long-term relationship but we have to be willing to go that extra mile and take responsibility for that i love that you highlight that well it's interesting because all i heard you say was technical 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 and all I wanted to say was personal, 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 right? <laughs> That's funny. So yeah. it's, you know, I, two things. One, the power of a phone call. And two, it's my parents' generation, right? All I hear them complain about when they have a bad customer experience go, gosh, they don't even have a phone number anymore. I mm. can't call them, yep. right? But it's that power of a phone call or a voicemail, or, you know, even a video message, right? Like I, we've talked about Loom a lot. I'm sending my clients a lot of messages where they're, they're visually seeing my face. They're yeah. visually seeing my intonation. They're getting that clear message across. Mm. Whereas, as you know, a lot of times a text or an email can come off a different way. But when you're visually seeing, you know, this message go over video, uh, if you can't hop on the phone, it sets a different, uh, a different tone. So, yeah, it's just funny how you went technical and I went personal and and I just go, "Hey, pick up the phone and make that call because you're not going to you're not going to get a better connection and solve something quicker than than a quick phone call." Well, and just a little side note for everybody listening in, if you're not familiar with Loom, if you just go to loom.com, you'll you'll learn what Gustavo is talking about here. But I think the reason I bring up the technical is because I'm thinking about the end user experience. Can I refine the technical portion of the user experience 
so that they are less frustrated in the end. Do you think that at the end of the day, like that we should have just started with a conversation to begin with? When you, when you talk about technical versus personal, especially in that context, what are you thinking? No, I mean, I was just thinking of those problem clients mainly. I mean, I wasn't thinking of uh, let's get rid of the technical. Okay. Uh, because yeah, there is a beautiful thing about an easy process on being able to sign up or order something, right? You know, the less amount of clicks, the better, the, the, the best amount of information, the least amount of, you know, a way, how, how can we share that? Right. So it, you know, creating a seamless experience, of course, that's number one, but I was kind of more leaning towards like when somebody is frustrated, when somebody doesn't fit into that bucket that, you know, maybe they're not computer savvy, maybe they just don't know. They're just not good on computers, right? We have a lot of artists out there that are not necessarily great with the technical. And how do you kind of observe those clients? Well, I, I think that's a good reminder for all of us. It's a funny thing as, as a company gets larger, the, the challenge of balancing the, the personal with scale is, is it can be really tough. We, we've struggled with this over the years. You know, do we put the phone number on the front of the site, the very top of the page, so that that is literally the first thing that you see there's a right. tendency in that case for people to just, without even thinking, just picking up the phone and calling, which is wonderful in and of itself. If, if, if I had the budget to have a phone bank with a bunch of people just answering phone calls. So we, we've, we've tried to find a balance in that we still make a phone number available, but it's on the support site along with the information that they're likely looking for anyway. In addition to, of course, a ticket system, if they just want to send a, a message through or they can email directly, I think we've come up with a pretty good balance. Your your points are well taken. It's a good reminder for all of us to, to make things as personal as possible. But that, that really is a great segue into our, our kind of main focus in conversation today, which has to do with your newsletter. And as I had said earlier, I'm, I mean, I'm super impressed with this, largely because of the, the, the extremely personal nature of it. And, and you know, people talk about being authentic. That's a word that's thrown around to an annoying extent these days. But I feel like you've legitimately put yourself out there with your newsletter, super, super intimate. And, and I just want to kind of dig into how you've done this, because I think we could all stand to add some of this to our communication with our clients. But before we get into it, we just talk a little bit about why you even send out a newsletter at all, any kind of newsletter. What, what are the main goals behind that? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, for me and for my client base, I think email still king, even in a super connected world of social media and, you know, all the different channels of the Instagrams and the Facebooks and now the clubhouse and whatnot, right? My typical client is behind a computer all day. You know, they're not necessarily on any of the social channels. So for me, email is the best way to, to be top of mind with my clients. So, you know, number one, it's just to keep building that relationship with my client. You know, most of them are hiring me for one or two large projects a year. And this allows me to kind of connect with them while, uh, while we're not working together. So kind of fill in that gap of that in between. So then we do see each other and we do catch up, you know, they're, they're kind of up to date. And that's the super fun part is when I do see some of my friends or some of my clients or just some of the colleagues that are reading my newsletter, like the first thing that comes out of the mouth is like, oh my God, so-and-so. And I, I, I read about your thing and they're, they're pretty much all caught up. Okay. So it's always fun to kind of start that conversation sort of already fresh and, and uh, you know, they're going to ask those deeper questions and always, always nice to, to kind of have that, that communication going already. You know, number two, it just reminds them of what I do. You know, it's sharing some of the ideas of new things I might be putting out there. Like, you know, I mentioned like the headshot station one time, which is kind of for volume headshots at events or just reminding them to refer me to another client. It's like, oh, you know what? 
so-and-so asked me about this. Hey, duh, I just got Gustavo's newsletter. Hey, let me refer Gustavo to, to that friend of mine or to that other, other company. And kind of lastly, it's for me. You know, it's always fun looking back every month. I do everything in a, like a month behind, right? So this month is going to be probably actually this week I'm writing it and it's, it'll be last month's kind of recap. So every month is a recap of the previous month. So it's always fun to look back to see everything I've done or haven't done and, you know, what's happened in my life. I mean, I can barely remember what I did this morning. So (laughs) so it's always, always cool. And, you know, it's actually a pretty simple process. I mean, I, I go through like my Google photos, you know, for the last month, kind of look at kind of fun stuff that happened, didn't happen. Because as you know, we take photos where iPhones of just about everything these days. And if I want to make sure and remember something, I'll take a photo of it. And then that'll kind of remind me for the newsletter. But yeah, I'll just go through my photos. I'll go through my my calendar, and then I'll go through my Lightroom um, to see what you know uh, business photos I've taken, and kind of kind of bring that all together into into a little story, and and kind of go from there. So yeah. Well, we're going to put for everybody listening in. Make sure you take advantage of the show notes because we're going to put these these points uh, in the show notes at bookapodcast dot com. Or if you use a podcast player on your phone that includes the show notes in a format that's actually legible, it's weird. Some podcast players in the past have the notes are just kind of all over the place. But nonetheless, take advantage of that, including these points. I want to go back before you were sharing those three points. So, Gustavo, one of the things that you pointed out was that. The, the email format specifically enables you or it's the easiest way for you to stay top of mind for your clients. And I want to dig into that just for a second because I, I guess maybe two different directions I want to go with this. Number one, and I'm curious to get your take on this, Facebook ads are getting ready to change pretty drastically because of some privacy changes that Apple is making to their operating system. Facebook's not going to be able to track our our behavior on our phones as readily as they have been because of these changes. And as a result, you know, anybody that wants to run Facebook ads to target potential clients, for example, won't be able to do so as effectively. And this reminds us of the reality, which I think we've kind of all heard at one point or another, that these social media platforms that we leverage for getting new business, we don't own them. Email is something that we, in a sense, own, right? We have the ability to send an email address out from our email address to our email list and no social media platform that gets shut down or changes their policies is going to control that. Do you see some significance to email specifically for that reason? How, when you say that it allows you to, to easily stay on top of your client's mind, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's a great point. You know, all these platforms are going to change and, you know, it's not easy to adapt depending on what you've built on that platform and it could be gone tomorrow. So you just never know, you know, an email is attached to, to that person to that client, probably for quite some time. Typically, if they get promoted, they still have that same email. So for me, yes, for me, I mean, that's, it's just, it's going straight to the source too. Something I did mention before was, you know, my client is not necessarily on social much, right? You know, my client is typically, you know, the head of, head of running, you know, the head of marketing or the head of events for, you know, Fortune 500 corporations. So they're pretty busy. So they're not on, you know, getting tagged on uh, Facebook and getting advertised there per se, because they're bu- they're busy putting on an extremely large event for CEOs and executives. Right. So so yeah. So that's why I think you know for me email is key, and I think I think people should definitely work on gathering more emails from their clients and using that as as a tactic 
as simple as, you know, maybe it's not once a month. Maybe it's, I mean, I think once a month is perfect because it's just, it's not that often, but if you do share a little bit of personal, a little bit of fun and a little bit of work, I think it's a beautiful combination. Now, having this email platform, I mean, it's something that we own, so there's an advantage to it in that despite whatever changes might come with social media. But I'm wondering, for me anyway, that the the big caveat, uh, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, is that emails have the potential of getting buried with the 500 other emails in that person's inbox. Have you... Have you noticed that you've got a pretty high click-through rate regardless of the fact that everybody's getting hit with an email left and right on a daily basis? You know, like I said, it's it's partly for me when I do send that email out. Okay. So one of the things I like to do is not be technical. And I literally do not look at those numbers. Interesting. Because once you start looking at those numbers, you start, you know, analyzing it and then you start getting frustrated. For me, it's going out. If it's a small percent or a large percent that's reading it, great. It's for me, it's uh, I enjoy part of the process. I do enjoy part of the process. There is a certain segment that does read it that, you know, I connect with and they respond, you know, and I, I have that conversation monthly. I mean, I'm having conversations with a family member that I, I see maybe every few years and it's kind of fun now. Every month we're having that conversation over email. You know, I'm having conversations over email with previous clients from my previous world in pharmaceutical sales that are retired and doing a ton of traveling. So it's always fun to hear from them. You know, I'm having great conversations. What I do run into those clients or I do run into those friends on the street, you know, that are kind of up to speed with the newsletter. And I do share it on the social channels too, actually. So it's not like it's just going to the email. I do share, you know, I share it on LinkedIn. I'll share it on Facebook. I'll share it on Instagram. So I do kind of parse it out and kind of keep people read it in different places. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, it just works. Huh. That's interesting. Okay. Well, we're going to dig into that in just a little bit to a greater extent, because I'm curious, despite the fact that your focus is the very personal nature of this, both for your own purposes, as well as just simply personal connection with a client. Of course, if we're going to put effort, time and energy resources in general into doing something for our business, I'm maybe maybe I'm a bit too selfish, but I'm, I want to know what the ROI on, on that is. So we're going to talk about that from your perspective in just a second. But one of the things that's most compelling about your newsletter, as I said, was not just simply the the personal nature of it that you're just you know sharing personal facts per se, but you're doing so in this really warm storytelling style that just like again I, as many emails as I get and I actually manage my email pretty well so I don't get as as many emails probably the average person but as many emails as I still get the likelihood of me to take some time to read a newsletter or a promotional email from a company is not super high and and yet your emails just really draw me in and if it's all right with you I, I want to read just a segment from I think this is the most recent newsletter that you sent out is that all right yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So I and, and to give a little bit more context for those of you listening in, along with this very warm storytelling writing style that Gustavo has, there are these lovely pictures to go along with it. It's almost like you're looking at a magazine article or something. But um, this is just a segment. And then it says, a two-hour drive southeast put me in the company of a few friends who were gathering for a holiday party. We enjoyed an evening at Wave, an outdoor restaurant set within one beach club. Wave features a modern seat-to-table concept that takes the meanings of fresh, organic, and dining to entirely new levels. What I liked most was the Tulum vibe present within the restaurant. The design included repurposed furniture that strongly complemented the outdoor beachfront. Equally as beautiful was the waterfront apartment my gracious host, Alicia, opened up to me for my stay. 
I was so inspired by the beauty and balance of the design that I decided to start looking for a similar style of residence for when I return in January to finally settle in. And of course, that's in reference to your, your recent move to the Miami area, which is super exciting. But I, I don't know about anybody listening in, but I, I feel like either I'm reading just a really well-written magazine article or even from a novel. I mean, it's just your, your writing style is awesome. And I'm curious how you've developed that. Like, how do you get to this place where you're able to not just simply share facts, but be able to do so in a way that feels like, I don't know, I, I, I want to just go along for the ride. And I'll give you a secret. I do have a writer. Do you really? But I actually write it myself. Okay. So what does the process look like every month? Like yeah. I said, I'll go through, you know, kind of my images. I'll go through my calendar. I'll go through, you know, my Lightroom and whatnot. And then I'll kind of, I'll actually look at, I'll take some notes during the month too, kind of on an Evernote. And it's like, oh, this was fun. Maybe talk about this and maybe talk about this. But, and then I'll actually write the whole newsletter out and sparse it out. And for those that don't know, it's, it's pretty simple. It's four sections. One is a section about headshots. One is a section about a, basically a featured headshot event, a featured, featured corporate event. You know, the third section is a story, personal, you know, what's going on in that month. And the last section is, is something fun. And that's kind of, it's called shower thoughts. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. 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 But so every month, that's the four things I need to add to the newsletter and try to keep it as short as possible. So what I do is I'll write it. I'll write the whole thing. And then I send it out to a writer. I've been working, I guess, three years now since I first started. That's super cool. she'll, She'll polish it. She'll make me sound that amazing, which listening to you read that back to me, I was like, Oh wow. That's pretty impressive. I guess. (laughs) But But no, you know, I mean, English is my second language. I mean, I'm not an amazing writer. Like I kind of come up with the basics and, you know, put it all together and she makes me look amazing. So she cleans it up, makes it flow, gets rid of some things and she sends it back. I even actually kind of tweak some stuff after she sends it back. Okay. When she might kind of go a little overboard, I might kind of tone it back uh, if the tone was a little bit off and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a collaborative effort. I've been working with a writer for gosh, almost three years now. And yeah, that's how, uh, how it sounds and looks so amazing. Oh, I think that's brilliant though. Okay. So I, I'm not sure if you're able to share who that individual is, but maybe at the very least, can you share how you were able to go about finding someone to ghostwrite for you? You know, that is a great question. I'll have to think deep about that. I don't even remember. It might have been through one of my VAs or one of my contacts that okay. referred her. She's in the Atlanta area, and I'll, I'll happily uh, send you her information so she we can link her on oh, the show cool. notes. Great. But, uh, but yeah, I forget. You know, it's always a referral, typically, you know, for me. So, yeah. Well, I know that, I mean, and I'm speaking from personal experience ultimately and probably largely projecting on our audience, but certainly as I've spent about 20 years in the, the photography industry and, and not only written for myself, for my own businesses, but also seen other photographers writing, I think we all struggle, especially as much as we have to write at times to come up with something that's fresh, that's, that's unique, that, that will actually draw people in on a regular basis. So the idea that you can just delegate that to somebody else, I think is a brilliant, brilliant idea. So we'll definitely, for those of you listening in, we're going to try to get that information, put it in the show notes. So by the time this episode comes out, you'll have access to that. 
and um, to maybe take advantage of that. I think it's really cool. I, I'm curious, well, though. Oh, go ahead. Well, let me, uh, let me back up a second. Uh, let's clarify on the delegate. I don't delegate it. So remember, I'm actually writing it. Okay. So what she's doing is she's polishing it. Fair right? enough. Okay. She's making me sound amazing like what you just read, basically. Interesting. So, But no, it's definitely not a delegation. I, I am definitely 100%. I'm 90% of the process. And I have, you know, you know maybe, I'd say I'm 80% of it. And then she does 20% to, to make it look amazing or make it sound amazing. Well, it, it, it is very obvious that the collaboration is a great one. I think it's brilliant. I'm curious though, when, when it comes to the sharing, because it is quite personal, do you, what's the line, I guess, between oversharing and compellingly personal? Because as you and I both know, and probably most listening in realize there's a tendency in social media to, in many cases, overshare. To an annoying extent, even in, you know, in, in some cases, certainly, where people are airing their dirty laundry and this complaint and that problem and and just too much info at, at times. How do you decide where that line is uh, between oversharing and being personal in a way that actually draws people in? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, it's funny because I don't think I've ever thought of the line, right? But, you know, what I would say is we all have struggles, you know, you don't have to share them all, but why not share some, you know, it makes you, it makes you more human, right? You know, I, I, I always talk about bringing the human back in the business. I mean, people buy from people. So it's, uh, you know, how can you create that connection? So, yeah, it's, and then I'm not sharing that much. Like I said before, it's, it's only four different sections. Sure. Actually, it's only three because the fourth one is the fun part, right? So it's not like, and I also like to keep it succinct and keep it a little bit short. So it's not some big drawn out thing. And I also love to, and every section of that actually has photos. So that's, what's also fun. It's, it's a lot of photos and a little bit of, of text and hopefully not too much text. I don't know where that line is, right? I just kind of try to keep it fun, try to keep it, you know, some levity to it. And would I share this information with a client? And that's kind of where I, I draw that line. And, and typically, um, I have a great relationship with most of these clients. And, you know, again, it, it's all about relationships at the end of the day. So, you know, they're going to be more committed to you if they know that, you know, you have kids and you're struggling because of COVID and, you know, they're going to try to help you out, you know, as soon as business comes back and, you know, all sorts of situations happen that way versus a company that has zero personal connection. Yeah to that they're just going to cut off that their bottom line. Right. Yep. So I, I think that, you know, that kind of clears it up a little bit. Yeah. Well, I have to say, even as I'm listening to you talk and thinking about our newsletter, it, it's pretty convicting, honestly, because while certainly we, I'm trying to juggle multiple brands and we want to grow and scale at the end of the day, you're right. Like people want to connect with someone, they want to connect with a big idea, but they'd like to know who's behind that idea or behind those ideas and connect with someone and, and feel like they can relate in some way. And again, you just, you've done such a beautiful job of this, but you talked about levity and there is this section at the end of the newsletter where, I mean, it's, it's literally cal- called shower thoughts, I think, right? I mean, you have, you actually pulled some, some really fun ideas from Reddit. I'll just read a couple of them here. It's really fun from this particular newsletter. Even though Uber drivers drive a car all day, they walk to work <laughs> or one day soon there will be kids who have no idea why we associate the sound cha-ching with money or crickets are pretty damn loud to be the symbol of silence. <laughs> Which, <laughs> like that makes me laugh for sure. 
anyway, what like what's the thought process behind adding this this humor? Maybe this is kind of rhetorical in nature, but I'm just curious what what your goal was by adding that extra humor to the end of the newsletter. You know, I, I get this newsletter that I, you know, like you said, there's only a few things that I read every day. And this one's called The Hustle. Uh, I've been getting The Hustle newsletter for a few years now. And every Friday they have at the bottom of the email, they have the five shower thoughts. Okay. And those actually are pulled from Reddit, which is kind of fun. So over, you know, over the month, I'll kind of copy and paste those five shower thoughts. I'll throw them into an Evernote. And then when I'm putting the newsletter together, I'll kind of pull my five favorites out for that month. So, so yeah, so that's always a ton of fun. You know, I just want to bring a little bit of balance to the business talk, to the personal talk and just kind of bring something fun, you know, like I said, and, you know, before it's like some people just scroll to the bottom and read those and send, you know, and send me their favorite one Yeah, or bring it up, you know, the next time you run into them. But I think it's a, it's just a great, great balance to have a little personal, a little business and then something fun. Agreed. Yeah. We, none of us need to take ourselves too seriously at the end of the day. I'm, I'm definitely, I, I told you before we started recording in the process right now of, of working on kind of the next step for the Boca podcast, I do have a tendency towards structure. I want to, I want to learn to lighten up a little bit more, even with the podcast, uh, as we get into the next phase of, of our production, potentially add video, maybe even daily mm-hmm. shows, this, this type of thing. And, um, I just, I need to continue to, to work at, and there's a bit of irony in saying it this way, but I need to continue to work at taking myself less seriously, uh, just to, to lighten up, to have some fun, to laugh a little bit more. And, and I love exactly. that you, you highlight that notion at the end of your newsletter. Now I have to say this, it's, as we kind of finished up our conversation today, I'm, I'm really curious to get your take on the glaring omission um, of any call to action for your clients, potential clients in the newsletter. And I know that you've already highlighted the very personal nature of this newsletter. Do you, do you have any other thoughts to go along with that? Is there any point at which you feel like maybe you do need to, to include some type of a CTA for the sake of you know, an actual financial ROI with this newsletter? That was a great question, you know, that, you know, you sent some of these questions ahead of time and I was like, huh, I don't think I've ever thought of that. And should I have a call to action? You know, but the first thing that came to mind for me was, you know, my services are not necessarily needed every day. It's being top of mind is kind of the number one goal. It kind of reminds them that I'm there and thinking about them. You know, it's kind of, I don't want to be pounding them over the head with monthly calls to action. And, you know, we see that a lot in a lot of different, you know, emails from different clients or different businesses, or, you know, depending on what you're, you're signed up for. The best example I came up with was like Coca-Cola, right? Like they don't, they're not saying, hey, click here, buy Coke, right? They're just saying, hey, we're here. Whenever you're ready to take action, just think of us, right? Drink, buy a Coke. Hmm. Sort of kind of that same idea. Yep. That's, that's kind of my thought process. Every month I'm reminding my client, you know, I mentioned before that I'm not necessarily working with some, a lot of these clients all the time. So it might be once or twice or a few times a year, but the other times it's like, hey, here I am. Don't forget about me you know, when you're ready, come on back, give me a call. And that's sort of the the same thought process, I think, as kind of some of those bigger brands that all you see is, you know, it's kind of large billboards per se, but they're not, they're not saying, Hey, buy Coke, buy Coke. Right. Yeah. It's just about awareness, brand presence. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's just that brand recognition, brand awareness. How often are you seeing them and kind of keep reminding them? Well, and, and you're doing it again in just a wonderfully intimate personal way. This is, I think this is a great way to, to sum up our conversation. I mean, I, for those of you listening in, if, if you're not making 
the the effort. First of all, just on a on a kind of bigger picture level to connect with your clients on a more personal level. You know, there's a lot of conversation in the industry about that idea, uh, but I don't know how personal most photographers are are getting. Um, it is it is to kind of playing the cliche idea. It is a very, shall we say, cold version of our life that we put out on social media, for example. And and I realize, Gustavo, you have similar control with the newsletter as well, but the combination of the imagery, the style of writing, the information that you're sharing, the fact that you do leave that CTA out, that call to action out, just makes me want to hang out with you that much more. <laughs> and so I think you're doing a beautiful job um, of your primary goals with this newsletter. And it's a great example for all of our listeners. So thanks for being willing to, to share uh, about all of this today. No, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Grateful for the conversation. Always fun, always learning and, and uh, excited to, to see where the Bokeh podcast goes. Reminder listeners too, um, I know that we've mentioned it in the, the past uh, episode, but just remind our listeners one more time where they can follow what you're up to your new adventures in Miami, um, see your site, follow you on social media. Where can they find all of that? Yeah, it's pretty much uh, Gustavo Fernandez at most of the handles. Uh, website is gustavofernandez.com, you know, along with Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Clubhouse now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and, and maybe we can do an episode three at some point because I know you and I have had some conversation off air about some of the changes that you're going to be making to particularly your marketing efforts as you're in a new market. Um, it'll be interesting maybe to come back and explore that at a different point to see where you're taking your business, how you've gotten there, where, how you're getting there. Um, as a result, maybe we can come back and explore that, but everybody listening in, make sure you go follow Gustavo, Gustavo Fernandez on Instagram. And of course you can find his website as well. As he mentioned, GustavoFernandez.com. We'll put all this in the show notes at Boca podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. You can also go to BocaBookshelf.com if you're looking for some of the most popular books that we mentioned here on the show. And uh, make sure you check out PhotographersEdit.com as well, producer of the show. If you go to PhotographersEdit.com, that's custom image editing for the professional photographer. Thanks again, Gustavo. All right. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.